So here's an experiment that you can do at home. Slice a potato in half, sprinkle salt on the cut side of the potato, and notice what happens. Water is going to start to form. Where did the water come from? Welcome to the Nurse Tutor Podcast. My name is David Woodruff, the editor of Nursing Made Incredibly Easy. The Nurse Tutor Podcast is designed to give you tips and time savers that are useful and understandable that you can use in your practice. Nurses struggle with understanding fluids and electrolytes. This week, we tackle sodium. So let's talk a little bit about sodium. Sodium is the primary extracellular electrolyte. This means it is the primary electrolyte outside of cells. So that gives us a lot of range for this sodium to be. It can be in the interstitial spaces and in the bloodstream. Sodium maintains our oncotic pressure, that osmotic pressure. Osmotic pressure is what pulls fluid back and forth. It also helps to maintain our acid-base balance and helps maintain nerve conduction impulses. If the sodium level decreases, that will stimulate aldosterone secretion. If the sodium level increases, it will suppress aldosterone secretion. Aldosterone helps us to regulate water. So you can see what's happening here is that there is a connection between sodium and water. This is one of the main points that you want to remember with sodium. When you think of sodium, think of water because sodium is controlling where the water goes. And in fact, sodium is also controlling whether the body hangs on to water or whether the body is going to get rid of water. A low sodium... That would be a sodium level that's less than 135. So our normal level is 135 to 145 milliequivalents per liter. A low sodium level, which would be less than 135, indicates that water is going to start moving into our cells causing edema. Now the reason for this is, with the sodium level being low, Water always goes to where the sodium is. So if the sodium level in the blood, that's what we're measuring. Okay, we're not sticking a little meat thermometer in the cell and finding out how much sodium is in the cell. We're measuring sodium in the bloodstream, right? We're doing a lab test looking at sodium in the bloodstream. So if the amount of sodium in the bloodstream is low, that means that there's more water than sodium. And so water will go where the sodium is. The sodium is going to be in the cells and in the tissues. So water is going to move out into the cells and the tissues and that's going to cause the patient to develop edema. Some of the common causes for a low sodium include chronic renal failure, malnutrition, bowel obstruction, and adrenal insufficiency. Now, for the most part, what's happening here is that we're not able to normally process sodium. In the case of chronic renal failure and adrenal insufficiency, we're dumping off sodium, hoping that water is going to follow in those situations. Malnutrition and bowel obstructions are going to cause some problems with absorbing sodium. Now, the other side of the coin would be a high sodium. That would be a sodium level greater than 145 milliequivalents per liter. Water is now going to move out of the cells and move into the bloodstream. Okay, so let's go back to this concept again. 
water moves to where the sodium is. If the sodium level is high in the bloodstream, that means it's going to be sucking water out of the cells in the same way that your potato worked. So when you sprinkled salt on your potato and you saw that water started to appear, water's going to where the sodium is. And the same thing happens within the body. This usually results from the patient not having enough water. So most of the problems that occur with sodium are not necessarily sodium problems as much as they are water problems, and this would be one of them. So when you look at the causes of a high sodium level, it makes sense. Dehydration, diarrhea, okay, well that causes dehydration. Congestive heart failure, diabetes insipidus, which also causes dehydration. So you see there's a number of different problems here that are causing the patient to become dehydrated. We're losing water. We still have the sodium though, so the sodium level goes up because it's not being diluted by as much water. When we talk about sodium, we're also talking about this concept of osmolality. And again, this is the idea that water is moving where our sodium is. If you were to look at a diagram that had two different sides, so two different categories or two different compartments, one compartment has lots of sodium in it, one compartment doesn't have much sodium in it, what you're going to see is that if we put a membrane between the two that allows water to move, water's going to move to the side that has all the sodium because water moves to where sodium is. So think about this when you're thinking about a patient with a sodium problem. So let's take an example of that. Let's say that your patient has got a low sodium level. The sodium level in the bloodstream is low. That means that the concentration of sodium in the tissues is actually higher than the concentration in the bloodstream. So water moves to where the sodium is. The sodium level is higher in the tissues than it is in the bloodstream. Now, why this is a problem is not so much because people's feet are going to swell or their lower legs are going to swell, but what we're really worried about is that we're going to get swelling in the brain tissue. So swelling in the brain tissue is going to cause cerebral edema, and that could be life-threatening. So this is why we're mostly concerned about sodium. Sodium level changes could have dramatic effects on the brain. Let's take the opposite situation then. Well, what happens if our sodium level happens to be very high? That means there's a higher concentration of sodium in the bloodstream than there is in the tissues. Remember, water moves to where the sodium is, so it moves out of the tissues into the bloodstream, causing dehydration. Well, what if that is the brain? We can't dehydrate the brain, right? If you dehydrate the brain, that would be catastrophic. So what the brain is going to do is start moving proteins into those brain cells to try to maintain a normal balance of fluid in the brain cells. The problem comes when we start rehydrating the patient because now there's these proteins in the brain cells that are going to start sucking water into them when we start rehydrating. So we have to change our sodium levels very slowly when we're changing sodium levels. So we don't want to just jump that person from, say, 155 for their sodium level down into the normal range real quick. We want to work on that slowly over a matter of maybe a couple days. So to wrap this up, when you think of sodium, think of water. The problem may be sodium, but the treatment is going to be water.
You can subscribe to the Nurse Tutor Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get guaranteed results on the certification exams by going to thenursingprof.com. Thanks again for joining me. My name is David Woodruff, and until next time, bye now.